Facebook, Twitter, 24-7 News, talk radio, citizen journalism, fake news, real news. The audience is drowning in an overwhelming overload of information. Clearly a guidepost is needed to identify what is trustworthy and a reliable source of both news and information. The Delaware Humanities Podcast, A Matter of Facts, will delve into this topic. I'm Nancy Karabjanian. The A Matter of Facts podcast is brought to you by Delaware Humanities, a state program of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Its mission is to engage, educate, and inspire all Delawareans through cultural programming. We thank the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation for its generous support of this initiative and the Pulitzer Prizes for its partnership. A Matter of Facts is produced by Delaware Public Media, Delaware's source for NPR News. Now we join our A Matter of Facts podcast host, Nancy Karabchanian. The Delaware public school system is charged with educating more than 137,000 children. That's 137,000 individual minds. And in today's fast-paced, endlessly changing social climate, it is a Herculean task to keep up, keep going, and keep trying to remedy some long-standing problems and replicate successful innovations. It should be no surprise that public education anywhere, not just in Delaware, suffers from a bit of an image problem. But does what the public know match the reality? On this edition of the Delaware Humanities, a Matter of Facts podcast, we'll answer that question. With two are inside the system, yet still know to look beyond the frame of view to challenge not only the public's perception, but also the status quo. I'm Nancy Karabjanian. Our guests are Shauna Payne, the Delaware Department of Education Director of Higher Education, and Christine Alois, the Deputy Secretary for the Delaware Department of Education. Welcome to both of you. Good morning. You know, I'd like to start with you, Christine. You came to the department from the Cesar Rodney School District armed with the frontline knowledge of being a principal. So how did that experience influence your goals for education statewide? I think that's a great question. So I'm now just starting my second month. I've finished two months at the department and 25 years in the Cesar Rodney School District. So I was a principal. I was also an assistant principal, a teacher, a supervisor, a director. So I feel like I've had uh, the gambit of experiences in um, a school system. And I knew that taking that experience and that passion for what happens um, right uh, in the classrooms and bringing it to the state level would bring uh, a new fresh look at how we work collaboratively with our charters and our school districts. I'll get to uh, what you're doing now in a moment, but I have Mm -hmm. to ask because Cesar Rodney, I'm someone who always looks at those rankings and the press releases and everything. Mm -hmm. Cesar Rodney consistently ranks near the top, if Mm -hmm. not at the top of the ranking statewide. Does that district have the secret recipe? (laughs) So if the secret recipe is always uh, thinking about students first, yes. Uh, The one thing that's really important to us is we always look at people, not programs. So I still say we, only being two months away from there. Um, The district has always put their efforts into strong professional development for their teachers, a lot of uh, collaboration with the community, and um, really just making sure that everyone that works in the district is always in classrooms and working and not forgetting why we're there. Am I naive to think that it can be replicated throughout the state, or is each district so individual that I'm foolish to think, 
what works there could work anywhere. You know, I actually think it's working in many places across Delaware. And you're correct. You know, Cesar Rodney has had a very good reputation for its performance. And now I'm at the state level and having colleagues across the state over the years, too. There's amazing things going on all across the state of Delaware, and everyone has their own little secret. Um, and the great thing is, working in a small state, we tend to collaborate and work together with that. So, no, you're not being naive. That is definitely possible across so the state. So, think K to 12. What is your position now? And now that you're no longer in the principal's office, right. what is your position now, and how will that affect? that most important section of education for kids? Well, I'm really excited because the deputy position has been reorganized. Um, the governor, as well as the secretary, really wanted to focus on um, student achievement as the deputy's main priority. So I oversee our performance management teams, which Shauna is a part of. So we uh, that allows me to be more focused on the instructional piece, hence bringing in someone who has experience directly from a district. So let me bring in Shauna Payne now because K-12 gets a lot of the focus, but your role is really higher education. So tell me about your efforts and how, you know, K-12 working with that, but thinking also about the next step. Absolutely. So Delaware is unique, which we love, and we have the higher education office as part of our Department of Education. So that means we really get to serve as kind of that bridge between our high schools as well as our colleges. And so we get to partner with both of them and really identify those issues that students struggle with and areas that should be consistent across every school, regardless of where a student is living or coming from. And so we're focusing in on things like academic achievement once they get to college. College. Remediation is a huge challenge for our students. Once they get to college, they're finding that they're not quite ready for those college courses and they're having to take some courses in advance that cost extra money, take extra time. Often for many students can lead to not getting that degree. So how can we partner together to really address issues like that? The affordability issue is always in the news and talking about the amount of debt that students are accumulating and so looking for creative ways to address that and really trying to strengthen our school counseling teams. So with it, I believe that at one point it may even still be about 41% of students mm -hmm. who go on to college from mm -hmm. Delaware need to take remedial mm -hmm. courses. Is, is that a disconnect or is there something bigger going on? Um, I wouldn't say that it's a disconnect. So there's two core issues there. One, just in looking as we have more and more students who are choosing that path to go to college because they understand that they need that to be able to access careers as our labor market is changing, those students are still having some gaps in terms of just their understanding in writing, particularly, uh, and in math, some of those basic skills. So they need that refresher. And then there are some students who are coming in and taking those placement tests and not understanding the importance of the placement tests and so they may not really put their best effort forward. Uh, and so we see both of those things happening. So you really have to kind of convince them to think beyond the now, which is not easy not with easy any day. age of child, <laughs> and to really think about the, the possibilities. That's quite a task. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and so we're working with our colleges and we see them across the board looking for ways that they can do better in informing students. They're evaluating the placement tests that they're using and the process of how students are put into remediation and trying to find the fastest ways to get students in and out um, and into those credit-bearing courses as quickly as possible. So Christine, with a goal to open future opportunities through education, which sounds like the right goal for education after graduation, what would be the biggest challenge then in K to 12? Well, well, I think one of the biggest challenges is um, recognizing the fact that we are starting in K. 
So this is not something that students and families start to think about when they hit high school. So one of our greatest challenges is looking at ensuring that we have that rigor and that challenge starting in kindergarten and also that understanding that all students have this opportunity for college and career. So it's working together as a whole system, K through 12, and not waiting until secondary to start thinking about it. How, how uh, difficult is it to deal with the changing standards that come out from beyond the state of Delaware, from the national level? Is that uh, something that kind of upsets so, the, the so-called apple cart, like my mother would say? I don't necessarily think that it upsets the apple cart. This is something in education after 25 years, and anyone probably two years in will know, education is constantly changing. This is something that um, teachers are quite flexible as well as the administrators they're working with. But at the same time, you always have to look at when anything that comes new um, within the district or the charter or wherever you are, you're looking at it and saying, so how are we going to make this work for us? How is this going to be best for the students that we're standing in front of? So, yes, it is definitely a challenge. Education is is a tough Tough field to be in, but at the same time, we have phenomenal teachers that um, take whatever comes at them and and use their magic. So I'd like to get into a bit of the perception issues because I think that's important to the topic of this podcast. And it it seems that uh, the public really only takes in the negative about their public schools. People tend to like to think poorly about their public school in their home community, just like they like to think poorly about their hospital. I need to go to the big major city for my treatment. I need to find the best school because the schools aren't, aren't good enough for me. It's one of those frustrations that I found as a parent because I'm a, parent, a public school parent at one time a mm-hmm. bit ago, and uh, I don't find that to be true. I mean, public school was the right call for two of my three children, and it really helped. So what causes that? Is it our obsession with rankings? Is that the big problem here? Uh, I would say information. There's We struggle in this world of technology and social media and access to information that sometimes people get a lot of information and they don't necessarily always know how to put all of the pieces together. And it's also which information is in front of them. But certainly if you walk into any school across the state, you're going to see amazing things happen every single day. Um, we just got a letter from a student the other day who said she applied for 99 scholarships and got so much money that she doesn't know what to do with it. So there are amazing stories every single day uh, across all of our schools. And I think it's, you know, really getting to know, going into that school, getting to know that school community and seeing the whole picture. So it goes back to what I said, individual minds, not just 137,000 plus students. Mm -hmm. They're each little people Mm -hmm. turning into big people. Mm -hmm. And I think just to jump off of um, what was just shared by Shauna, as a principal, I would have parents that would call me that were moving into the area or looking for a school and they would say well I read this and I and I would always say I'll I'll give you one better come in I said make an appointment come in meet with me you know see how you feel about the atmosphere of the school walk through a few of the classrooms like Shauna said you go into any classroom and you um, automatically know whether that's the best environment for you so there's just so many great things going on it just depends where you're getting your information from what's your reaction when somebody says well you know students in Japan blah, 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 blah. Achievement here, you know, in the other country, the far off land. What do you react? How do you react when you hear that? You know, the first thing I think is um, my emphasis is on what's happening in Delaware. And there's so much, as you said, that comes at us in the, in the field of education. And um, there are places that will tout higher performance or uh, different ways that they're approaching education. 
we have different countries that come here looking at the American education system and what can they do. I think, again, it always goes back to keeping focus on what's best for kids, um, being engaged in your community, being a, a positive voice and a supporter for your community and your schools. Um, and that's, you know, when I hear that, I think I know what's going on here, and I'm just going to keep focusing on doing my best for Delaware. Delaware's public schools, are they in the shadow of this huge, long-standing private school system that we have of some schools in Delaware that, you know, have really, you know, been a feeder to the Ivy Leagues? Is it difficult to be in that shadow, or is that a shadow you're not even paying attention to? <laughs> Um, well, I'll just speak to it personally as a public product of Delaware Public Schools who went to an Ivy League school. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. certainly possible. Many of our students are able to go to the best in the nation um, and best in the world and accomplish many things. So I think it, you know, it's each individual student and what they need at the time, and it's not necessarily the whole system is um, substandard by any means. From your earlier comments, Christine, I think I know where you're going to go with this, but I'm asking it anyway. Um, you know, we have charter, and we mm -hmm. have private, and we have uh, schools that are really trying different things in our state. Along with our public schools, it sometimes becomes a menu that is difficult for a parent to navigate. But do you believe we, they can all coexist? I, I believe they already are. I mean, that's one thing when we were talking earlier. You know, it's, it depends. In one family, it may be different from one child to the next. Uh, there's so many different opportunities in the state of Delaware. And again, we're so small. We're always sharing ideas. Just a few weeks ago, all the curriculum directors and charter leads were together in a room talking about curriculum, talking about initiatives moving forward. So, you know, yes, I think they can coexist together. I think that we get great ideas from one another. Um, of course, there's always some sense of competition from one to the other. But that's that happens from one school district next to another comprehensive school district, and that only makes you better. So how do we address those schools that are not succeeding as well as those perhaps in the Cesar Rodney School District or another district in the state? How can the successes be implemented yet still be individualized for whether it be a school in downtown Dover or in the city of Wilmington? So uh, again, it's teamwork. And there's no better place for that to happen than Delaware. So um, as we look at the schools and we're, we'll be identifying schools that need some additional support for this year after last year's test results, um, through our accountability system, we're also looking at the fact that it's not just test results. We're looking at chronic absenteeism. We're looking at are they taking pathways? Are they looking at AP classes? Um, we work on that as a team and through this performance uh, management team at the department. We are reaching out with supports to all of our districts and charters and working collaboratively to replicate where possible. Um, but in some cases, something that works really well in one school may not in another, and we're very cognizant of that. So it's just this continual give and take and, and willingness to work together as a team. And I guess uh, people just need to understand that there is a difference between where you are attending school because you're, every community has its own personality. Absolutely. How can you make sure that um, schools that are succeeding don't then start to slide because of focus or attention on schools that are not? Well, I think that you would find in the schools that have had the consistent success that they know their needs and the culture and what works, and they're pretty consistent in staying true to that. Um, and so it's just giving them the supports that they need when they need it so they're able to maintain that um, and not 
and often they'll tell you, you know, I, I only need a little bit. I don't need the hands-on every single day. Um, you know, just tell me how to access it, and we'll make it happen in our school. And I think um, with the accountability model in Delaware, it's a continuous school improvement model. So it doesn't matter where you are on the spectrum. Continuous improvement is the goal. So the supports that are provided are provided to all schools in the state of Delaware, not just our schools that need that ex- you know, extensive support. So I think that, mind fr- that mindset is also really important. So, Shauna, I, w- when you were here in the Delaware public school system, what was the st- testing system that you had to use? <laughs> Do you remember? <laughs> um, you look young enough to remember. <laughs> uh, it was something California, something. Oh, test. okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> you know that's that's something that is interesting as a parent. I mean, the span of my children was six years, mm-hmm. so I saw a lot of change mm-hmm. in what was happening with the testing mm-hmm. systems. That was confusing to me. It was also confusing to my younger child who didn't understand. Mm-hmm. She was too young to understand, thought she was a teenager, but not. <laughs> but also at the same time, it's frustrating when you get the results back. Mm-hmm. Because as a community, we don't really have the knowledge to understand why it's high here, it's middle here, it's low there. It seems like it runs the gamut. Mm-hmm. So what is your advice to understand whether it be a national ranking or a local ranking, whatever, to be, to be able to understand what's happening within the walls of an individual school? Well, first of all, being involved in the school. So asking questions. Um, you know, some parents feel like they don't want to be that parent going in and asking. As a principal, I welcomed anyone to come in. Talk to me about what's happening with your child. Talk with your teachers. Uh, you know, within the community, sharing information. Our schools do a great job across the state of having different nights for parents and conferences, and the state is providing an actual communication package that each of the districts will have with more information around every student succeeds, which has replaced No Child Left Behind. Um, much much more supportive plan um, coming from the federal government. So it's just a matter of just stay involved, ask questions, uh, and people can learn together. Not everyone's always going to have the answer right away, but they'll know who to go to to get it, and that's really what builds that capacity. Does that help to change the narrative? I think so. I think so. I think it's about us working collectively together. Um, we often say Delaware is small enough that we can do it, and that's true. You know, when you go out to other states, they have so many other hurdles that they have to overcome to be able to work together, but we can learn from each other, and it's not uh, a hurdle to be able to go from one district to the next to ask questions or to just get involved and, and learn more. So I think that it's very possible. You know, it's interesting. Even the physical look of some of our school buildings has changed. I used to joke all the time that the architect for some of our schools was the same one for our prisons because they were just so unattractive. But now you look at renovations and new buildings that are going up and they're inviting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're both nodding Very so enthusiastically. Yeah. This must be a, uh, you must see that as a real positive too, not just me with my superficial eye. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> what student doesn't want to feel like when they walk in the building that that building is welcoming? And so having a building that, you know, is light and airy and has all of these, the signage and the art and all of that around there sends a message. And I think that makes a difference in your attitude and how you feel about coming into the building each day. And for the staff, too. You agree? 
I absolutely Christine. agree. And I think it, it goes along with the premise that we really need to look at educating the whole child. It's not about walking in and sitting down in front of a textbook for the entire day. There's so much more than just the core content that needs to be learned in school and having environments that are conducive to learning help in that process. You sort of have already answered this, but I have to ask because, you know, parents often rely upon the parking lot for communication. Um, and some parents can't even get to the parking lot because of the, you know, so it becomes the bus stop if that is even available for a working parent. Is there a way to bolster that link between parent and school without them having to be physically be there because that's not always possible? I mean, I think we take advantage of all of the different uh, technology pieces that we have now. You know, ha as a student who bussed mm -hmm. <laughs> for 45 minutes one way back and forth, I, uh, <laughs> that was always a challenge of being able to get into the city to be able to get to the school and have that engagement. But, you know, you find ways to communicate and talk to teachers um, that without having to be physically present. And I think that that's important. And teachers are doing an amazing job of making themselves accessible. Christine? And I also think that uh, districts, charters, the department, we've made many community connections. So the more we're working in collaboration with community groups, that message is coming out in other forums also, as well as many uh, schools are out, take buses out in the summer and go into the community or go to uh, different locations where they can meet with their uh, children and families, because that is definitely, uh, I don't want to say it's a problem, it's not a problem, it's just uh, something that, that needs to be looked at, that not everyone is able to get to the school, and uh, so how do we get out and get that message out there? All right, I have a couple questions that are just kind of bonus questions, almost a lightning round, I guess you could call it, because I want to know more, because, you know, um, you encounter so many teachers during your course of, of the existence as a parent, um, and if you're not a teacher, you, you don't have an understanding. So first thing is, is uh, why education for you? We'll get to Christine in a moment, but Shauna, why education? Um, well, I was that kid who tortured my little sister <laughs> playing school, so I always wanted to go into education. That was kind of a given for me, uh, but really just the passion of wanting it to be accessible for all students. I had vivid memories in school of just seeing that separation and between myself and friends and not understanding that and really wanted to be able to be a part of changing that to make sure that every student got the same opportunity. Tell me a little bit about that. You're sitting at a desk and, and what was the environment like? You know, often I was isolated by myself um, in a classroom uh, for a variety of different reasons, um, different track, different path, et cetera, and seeing friends and hearing teachers making comments about students who I was riding the bus with, hanging out with, playing in the playground with. And so, you know, just seeing those differences, particularly across um, economic and racial lines, was hurtful, uh, but gave me a passion to want to be a part of making a difference. That is something that really has been an endless scar for Delaware since, you know, busing first began and then was ended in Delaware, yet still continues to keep a good balance within our schools. So do you think if you were to put on a scale, and I hate to go back to numbers, but I have to, of where the progress is? In, in erasing that, mm -hmm. 10 being fully erased. I don't know that I could scale it. I uh, think it's so varied across the state, but we are, we're working towards it. I do think that as a state, we have a heart to move in that direction, and we're going to keep getting there. So flashback 25 years, Christine, why education? So I, you know, I always joke with my family. I think I was born an educator. My father was a high school principal for 20 years, which is unheard of. And my mother was a teacher until, like, 
over 60. She went well past her retirement age. So I think I always knew that education was the field. I saw how respected they were in the community. Um, and I don't think I, you know, people always see that, but as a child and, and all the people they knew and the people that looked up to them when I would go to my father's events at his school or at my school, my mother taught in the school where I went, um, I knew that was something that I wanted because I knew they were having an impact on so many people every day. So Christine, what would be your advice to a parent? with a public school child, what is the two to three words that you would say to them so that they can forge ahead for the rest of the school year with confidence? Absolutely. Um, Stay involved, as we talked about before. Um, The more involvement, the better. Be the cheerleader. Be that person who's always there, not only for the school, but for the child, and, and, and really encouraging them to do their best and showing that you're a partner with them in what they're doing every day. So really, just be a cheerleader and be involved. Shauna, what would be your advice for a student? Uh, For a student, I would say come with an excitement. Uh, Look for those who are cheering you on and be willing to make mistakes. Did you have somebody cheering you on? I definitely did. I definitely did. Um, I have... um, still have good relationships with some of my elementary school principals and teachers who were very influential um, in just supporting me, um, not just while I was in their school, but even since then. Um, And that made a huge difference. Do you have an ultimate goal in education? Um, My ultimate goal would be that every student gets to do what they want to do in their life and that they have the tools and resources and skills to be able to choose that for themselves. Christine, what's your advice for a teacher? for an educator? You know, I think for our educators today, um, sometimes what you started out with kind of the noise that, or the negativity that somewhat comes behind education. I've been in this 25 years. I still have a passion for what I do. Um, this is probably one of the most influential positions you could be in. And to really take that to heart, to always uh, keep the main thing the main thing. That was what my mentor told me years ago. A lot Say of things, that again. Keep the main thing the main thing. Mm. And I think sometimes in education, a lot of other things come throw at you. And just remember, you're here for the kids. Um, you're having an, a life, life-lasting impact on, on everyone you work with every day. Here's a question that we ask everybody who participates in our podcast, and it really gets to the fact that the facts aren't always the facts. You know, people can become, there's no such thing as alternative facts. But there's a lot of confusing information out there. And as we talked about, confusing with education as well. But for you personally, and we'll go to you first, Shauna, where do you go for news? Where do, what is your favorite news source that you consider your favorite and your best? Um, I tend to prefer sources that give me lots of different sources. <laughs> um, so I have an app on my phone that just filters all the news in there for the different topics that I'm trying to follow. Because um, I don't like to rely on any one particular place. I think it's important to see it from lots of different perspectives and to be able to wrestle with it. So whether I'm reading it or listening to the podcast or um, watching it on TV, I try to keep it as varied as possible. Favorite podcast? Um, I was for a while listening to On Rye with Angela One, but I, I don't think it's been on recently. I haven't been able to catch it. So, Just Christine, cares. what's your favorite news source? So I would say probably about six months ago, I said to my husband, I think I need to stop watching the news first thing in the morning. There's so many different things coming at us, and I'm, I'm just not sure who to listen to and what to do. And, you know, it, it sounds kind of crazy to say this, but my 
best news sources are my colleagues across the nation. And working at a state level, you know, your colleagues are literally other states. You know, it's no longer the district next door or, you know, the school next door. And it's just really listening and collaborating with people across the nation and hearing how similar uh, we all are and the challenges that we're facing and then the solutions that we're coming up with. So I have different organizations like the CCSSO and Ed Week and all different places that uh, I get information from, very much like what Shauna said, siphoning a lot. Um, but I feel like the best information I get is right from those that are working directly with children. All right. Well, thank you both so much. I want to thank uh, Christine Al- Alois. Alois. Look at that. I panicked at the end. <laughs> and I also want to thank Shauna. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. The A Matter of Facts podcast is brought to you by Delaware Humanities, a state affiliate of the National Endowment for the Humanities. Its mission is to engage, educate, and inspire all Delawareans through cultural programming, We thank the Andrew W. Mellon Foundation for its generous support of this initiative and the Pulitzer Prizes for its partnership. A Matter of Facts is produced by Delaware Public Media, Delaware's source for NPR News.